Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 19, verses 13 through 16. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Lake the Campus of Christ Community Church. It's good to be together. Uh, good to be uh, back, maybe for some of you, into a little bit of a routine for the summer. Uh, with school starting this week. Uh, kids, I'm sure you're excited as well. Um, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, we're really, really, really glad you're here. Um, and, and many of you have probably been watching the Olympics uh, over the last uh, few days, right? Enjoying it and, and seeing it. I mean, it's so fun to like, I, mean, I think what amazes me most is like seeing what the human body is capable of, right? I mean, isn't it just remarkable? Um, I mean, I should, I, should, I should get off the couch more, right? You see these things, it's like, they can do that. I can't. Actually, I kind of wish they'd start each event uh, with like pulling somebody out of the crowd and saying, you try it, you know, uh, just to like remind us that these things that they're, I mean, they're, they're like not human, right? I mean, just imagine yourself trying to pole vault, right? I mean, good luck, right? It's not going to happen. And I think, I think one of the reasons that we, that we love the, the Olympics is we, we, love, we love seeing these, these young athletes um, in this like quest to achieve, in many ways, what we, what we all long for, right? Glory to some extent. Like to, to somehow like make ourselves even a tiny bit immortal. I mean, that's, that's kind of the dream, right? We want, we want, to, we want to somehow be able to, to live longer than the few seconds that we're actually given. We all want to be remembered, Maybe not like those athletes are for some of us. But like we want our, we want our kids, our, our grandkids, and maybe, maybe if you're really lucky, your great-grandkids to at least know your name. They probably won't. As for the history books, none of us are getting them, right? And so when we, when we realize that, we'd be, well, I just, I've got to survive as long as I, as I possibly can, right? And so we, we, want to, we want to live healthy and we, we want to stay safe. And everything, everything is about those things. And, and then after a while, we realize, well, that's not working either. And so we just try, you know, thicker makeup and hair dye. Uh, and, and no judgment, okay? Um, but who are we trying to kid? And when we realize that that is slowly fading we begin to ask some serious spiritual questions, don't we? Because most everyone wants to live forever. And no matter, no matter who you are, no matter your background, what you grew up believing or not believing in, all of us, I think, all of us wonder if it's possible, don't we? And if it is possible, how do I do it? Just like that guy who asked Jesus, in the scripture we just heard, right? I mean, it's 2,000 years ago, long, long, long time ago, but this, this guy, I mean, he, here is a, a wealthy, successful, moral, upstanding citizen, right? A, a, an individual like most of us, probably. The one unique difference is that he actually had the opportunity to go up to Jesus himself and say, Jesus, how do I live forever? Jesus answers him. But I'm not sure we're going to like 
what he has to say. So we're, we're in Matthew chapter 19. We, we've been studying Matthew for a really, really long time now. We're getting closer and closer to Jesus' final week. And as we get closer, Jesus keeps teaching us, telling us, telling his disciples what it looks like to, to follow him. And now this morning, as he's been teaching, some guy comes up to him and says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Just like, tell me what it is, I'll do it, and then we're, you know, we're good, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the idea, which really, if you think about it, this idea of being good enough, right, doing the right thing, I mean, that's, that is the classic way that we try to live forever, isn't it? Right, we just think, if I'm just, if I'm just a good enough person, if I know all the rules, I keep all the rules, at least, you know, enough of them most of the time, at least better than somebody else, then there's, there's a good chance that, right, I can get in, right? And really, if you think about it, the only person who actually asks a question like that actually believes that it's possible to achieve, right? I mean, if, if your kid comes up to you and says, you know, Dad, what do I have to do in order to be able to fly off the roof of our house, right? It implies that they actually think that they might be able to fly off the roof of the house. Like, you need to go and hide the ladder at that moment, right? And so for this guy to ask this question, like this is the religious way, being good enough. It's, it's the way that most of us try. It's the way that most of us slip back into, well, if I'm just good enough, then, then maybe, maybe I can, I can live forever. It's the way we try. Trouble is, it's not the Jesus way. And I, I think this man knows it. Like, I, I, think he, I think he knows that it's not working. He's a religious person. He's done the religious way. And we're going to see as it comes out that he, he knows that there's something just not enough in that way. And so he says to Jesus, how do I live forever? How do I do it? And Jesus, knowing how disastrous the, the religious way, the, well, I'll just be good enough way is, he sets this guy up. I mean, in love, of course, but it's, it's going to hurt. In fact, if it doesn't hurt you, you're not listening. So Jesus responds to this question. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Okay, thanks, Jesus. Uh, but there's a lot of commandments. Can you like just sort of narrow it down for me? Like which ones, which ones do I really have to keep? And, and so Jesus, I mean, again, Jesus is kind of playing along with this guy. Uh, and, he, and he goes right away to, to the most obvious, most visible of the big 10, right? The 10 commandments. Like he says, you shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's important for us to, to remember, though, that Matthew um, he knows, right, if we're, if we're going through the book of Matthew, Matthew who's writing these things down, the eyewitness of these things, he knows that we've already read the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, he, he knows that we know that Jesus has already said that external commandments aren't enough, right? Just simply doing the outward thing is never enough because, I mean, Jesus made it clear the real problem isn't here, right? The, the biggest thing, my biggest problem is not, is not whether or not I'm going to kill somebody or be an adulterer, my biggest problem is that those things already live in my heart. So Matthew knows that we know, that Jesus knows, right? That that's all sort of in the backdrop here. And I'm convinced this guy knows it too. He knows that you can avoid murder and adultery and stealing, right? It's really not that hard to, 
you know, obey those exact specific laws. But he also knows that the mess, it doesn't go away. It's still in here. And so this, this guy, he's kept those laws. In fact, in many ways, he's like the Michael Phelps of morality, okay? Uh, except maybe like, you know, more moral than Michael Phelps. Um, <laughs> and he, he says in response, he's like, all these I have kept. What still do I lack? What am I still missing? And some of us in here this morning are just like this guy in a lot of ways, aren't we? You've kept the rules, like, you know, at least the big ones, right? Uh, most of the time, and certainly better than, better than some people, right? But here's, here's the first answer. How do I live forever? It's not by being good enough. Because even, even, if you know, even if you obey all the rules, right? Just like this guy, you still know that it's not enough. You know that you're, you're lacking. I mean, if this is your plan to live forever, being good enough, then of course you're dissatisfied with it. Because here's what's going to happen. One of two things, right? You're either going to realize how not good you are, and so you're going to be constantly plagued. Am I good enough now? How about now? Have I done enough now? Fin- finally, is it now? Have I, have I finally? Because you, I mean, you know you can't. We can't be good enough. I can't even keep my own rules, right? More or less the rules that God makes. We know that we're not good enough. Or the, the other al- alternative what if you actually start to believe you are good enough? I think that's worse. Right? Because then you become smug and arrogant, self-righteous and judgmental, generally a horrible person. <laughs> and even if you could live forever, would you really want to live forever like that? Gross. We can't be good enough. I mean, even, even an Olympic athlete, right? Where, where being good enough is, is like absolutely everything. Think about this. How many Olympiads can you name from eight years ago? There's Michael Phelps. <laughs> and even like if you get the world record, right? The best of the best is like how long until that is destroyed by somebody else? How long until you're topped? And I mean, the same is true for morality, The religious way, the being good enough way, it just doesn't work. You know it, I know it, this guy knows it, and certainly Jesus knows it. There's got to be another way. But I think we're going to like this attempt even less. What do I still lack? The man says. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go Sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. Oh, is that all? How do I live forever? Sell everything you own, give it away, and follow me. I mean, even the disciples are confused at this moment. They're like, I thought it was 10%, right? That's... I mean, they've got to be thinking like this. We've got to teach Jesus how to negotiate, right? What, what is, how, could, how is this possible? And Jesus, he knows what's going on. He knows how extreme what it is he's asking. And so his response to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? How do I live forever? Well, it's not by being good enough. And it's not by being rich enough. Well, of course not. Of course we can't be rich enough. We can't buy our way in. Like, we, we, all, we all know that. And yet, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here in this room. I mean, people with resources, people who've never really needed anything ever, who've never actually had to trust or, or very rarely outside of themselves, people who can solve almost all of their own problems, who almost always feel in control, people like us, people, like there's no other like rich in the story. Like we're, we're the ones he's talking about, not somebody else. The rich assume they're going to be just fine because we're always fine. Like it almost always works out for us, doesn't it? For example, I'm, I'm reading Steve Jobs' biography, um, slowly making my way through it. Fascinating individual. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, fascinating. But I, I can remember clearly the first time that I heard that he was dying young at the age of 56. I'm not making this up. Like, I was shocked. My first thought was, that, that can't be right. Steve Jobs is dying? Like, I mean, as, he's too rich. He's too powerful. He's too important. If anybody should be able to live forever, or at least be able to live as long as humanly possible, it's somebody like, like him. I mean, I just, I didn't even have a category for it. For How is that possible? Now, there, there are a couple of ways that we Christians have, have taken a passage like this and, and gone in really terrible places, like just bad extremes. Like, like for one, you can, you can hear verses like this, and, and the Bible talks a lot about money. Jesus speaks a ton about money. Um, you, you can think, well, this, this means that, that poverty is the goal, that, that being poor is better than being rich, and so we should all strive to, to, be, to be poor. And that's, that's simply, it's not what the Bible teaches Others have gone to the other extreme, making riches the ultimate goal and preached a sort of like prosperity gospel that if you just pray hard enough and if you just have enough faith, then, then God will give you everything you want, right? All your hopes and dreams will come true, which is just ridiculous, right? That's foolish. So what is, what is Jesus actually saying here? Come on, really? Do I have to spell it out? He's saying it's super hard for a rich person to make it to heaven, Right? He's saying it's really, really unlikely for the average American to make it in. That there's just too much. Well, that's good to know, right? Why is it so difficult? Why does Jesus say that? Well, some of you know how much I, um, I just love Saturday Night Live. Um, and, And this one, this one is ancient, it's terrible quality, and it's not even really laugh-out-loud funny. Um, how's that for a, a, a warm-up? Um, but they hit the nail right on the head. Hello. I'm a very wealthy man. I'm worth billions, and always have been. But I haven't always been a man with a conscience. Time was, I thought my money was all I needed to be happy. But that changed one day when I came across this book, the Bible. And I saw where it said, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
That passage, that passage changed my life. It moved me to start putting my riches towards a worthy cause. And that's why I established the Haywood Foundation. The Haywood Foundation for the development of a way to make it easy for a camel to pass through a needle's eye. I'm not going to hell if my billions have anything to say about it. <laughs> and I think they do. I know it sounds impossible, but we have made a lot of progress. We started small. We tried to cram a horse through a drinking straw. <laughs> the result was pretty ugly and completely unsuccessful. But we learned a lot. Next, we tried pureeing a camel into a thin liquid, then pouring the camel through the eye of a needle. Ah, good work, man. Thank you, Mr. Hayward. Mm -hmm. I've also invested millions of dollars from my tobacco and pornography enterprises to build very large needles and very small camels. Unless I've completely missed the message of the Bible, somewhere in here is my ticket to heaven. So, we're working towards a beautiful future here at the Haywood Foundation. We dream of a day when camels pass willy-nilly through the eyes of needles, while billionaire industrialists like myself can look forward to an eternity spent in the pure white light of heaven. Right, fellas? Yeah. Hmm. And if we can't get the camel through the needle, we have another plan. We're prepared to spend millions to get that part taken out of the Bible. <laughs> Don't worry about me. The Hayward Foundation, working hard to get Mr. Hayward into heaven. That about sums it up, doesn't it? Hey, why, why is it so difficult? That's, that's why, right? It, it's because we think we can buy our way out of anything. Don't, I mean, don't we? Like, most, of our pro most of my problems can be fixed with money. I don't have to pray. I don't have to trust. I don't have to ask for help. I just have to get out my credit card. Uh, and, then, and then I face my, my sinful heart, right? And the inevitability of my own death because it's coming whether I like it or not. And I can't fix that. But so help me, I'm going to try. And I'd certainly rather try than trust because that's how I do everything else. And then if that, if that doesn't work, we rich can just distract ourselves, can't we? I mean, so maybe I can't, fix, I can't fix some of my problems with money. And so things like stress or my health or fear or worry or sin or, or relational junk, right? I, I can't solve those with money, and yet I can sure distract myself from having to deal with them. Instead of dealing with my workaholism, I can take a nice vacation. Instead of actually parenting my kids, I can just buy them stuff. Instead of dealing with whatever it is I'm worried about, I can drink or eat or buy a new outfit. Instead of, instead of looking inwardly at my own sin, I can just entertain myself until I forget how broken I actually am. And so here's why we rich don't typically make it in. It's because if we're, if we're honest, we don't really want to go. Like, we're fine right here, right? I mean, why, why would I look forward to another world somewhere off in the distance? I have everything I want right now at my fingertips.
I mean, maybe the poor and the oppressed, right? All they have is to look forward to some other life. But me? Man, life is good. For most of us, it's not so much that we want to live forever. We just want to live longer right here. Because, man, life is good. So, Jesus, tell me, how hard is it? Will you take this, this little tiny needle here, right? little guy, and you jam a camel through it, right? That's, that's how hard and perhaps messy um, it is for a Johnson Countyan to make it to heaven. That's how unlikely it is for any of us. Now, some of you perhaps did a little survey at the eight o'clock service. So I know this rumor is still out there. Maybe, maybe if you've been in church for a while, you've, you've heard uh, someone preach on this passage and they've said something, or you, maybe you've read about like, there's this, there's this ancient like, gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle and a, and a camel could struggle its way through. Has anybody heard that? Anybody? Yeah, a few people. Okay, um, most, actually any biblical scholar says that's absolute rubbish. Um, that that was invented in the ninth century is the best guess by some Con- like wealthy congregation trying to soothe their, soothe their conscience, honestly. That's not what it is. And besides, I mean, that misses the entire point. Jesus isn't saying it's like, this is kind of a little bit of a challenge, right? He's not saying this is a little bit, a little bit tough. No, what does he say? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Wow, too bad for all those rich people. Glad I'm not one of them. Because I would would bet that none of us here, maybe a couple, but feel rich, right? We got money problems. I got money problems. You got money problems, right? We all all have money troubles. And yet, I mean, here's the deal, right? Like the median income in Olathe is in the top 0.1% of the globe, That means most of us in this room are richer than 99.9% of the 8 billion people on planet Earth. And really, even even if you live at the U.S. poverty level, you're still in the top 6%. And historically speaking, like if you sleep in a bed and have more than a couple pairs of clothes and have a tiny bit of money tucked away and eat meat like maybe once a week, you're rich. So who is Jesus talking to here? Us? There's no way around. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. And he says, if you're rich, which we are, you're out. How do I live forever? You can't. You won't. It's impossible. Not in my kingdom. No way. No way. No how ever. So thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> don't let the door hit you on your way out. Glad I could help. Um, but that's, I mean, that, don't miss that, right? We can't just rush on to the next. That is what Jesus says. It is impossible. It cannot happen. But wait, there's a tiny bit more that he says. This seems important. Verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So you're saying there's a chance. How do I live forever? 
not by being good enough, not by being rich enough. It's only by trusting the one who is enough. We simply cannot do it on our own. We cannot do this, this thing of, of, of life, of real life, both now and for, we cannot do it on our own. But if you're willing to trust, if we're willing to, to humble ourselves to a place of submission and, and dependence upon someone else, then maybe, just maybe. So what, is, what does this kind of trust look like? The, the trust that saves us, that allows even, even people like us to enter in? I mean, people, our lives depend on it. I think, there, I think there are three things in this story as it continues here. Three things. First, first we've got to get smaller. If you want to live forever, you have to get smaller. Look, look how this passage ends. Like, like, glance, like glance down at the end, right? It, and it's the exact same thing next week and the exact same thing the next week. So if you kind of, you know, maybe you can just come once this, this month. Um, like each time Jesus ends with, I mean, don't really do that, right? Um, <laughs> Each time he ends, those who are first will be last and those who are last will be first. And if, if you remember how this section began a few weeks ago, right? He, and even the verses that we read leading up to this story, he says, if you want to, if you want to get in, you got to become like a child, needy, desperate, small. And if we're going to squeeze through the eye of a needle, we can't get small enough. And while, while the humility, right? That's the big idea that Jesus is talking about, humility and dependence and, and pushing aside our, our self-reliance. While that's, more, about more, a whole lot more than just money? It's certainly not about less. And I know, I know that for some of you, you're just waiting for me, you're waiting to the point in the message when I say, um, Jesus didn't mean it. I mean, you don't, you don't really have, we don't have to obey him here, right? There, there, you can keep your Xbox and your fancy car, right? I mean, that's not what Jesus says. No, there's no loophole. He doesn't get us off the hook. And in fact, honestly, if you're, if you're the kind of person that is just sort of all you're taking comfort for in this moment is waiting for that loophole, waiting for the way out when Nathan says or Jesus says, you know, you don't really have to do this. Like if that's, if that's where your hope is, then you are exactly the kind of person to whom Jesus would absolutely say, you'd better sell it all because hell is hot and you don't want to go there. He doesn't get us off the hook. And, and maybe... Maybe we don't have to give it all away. I mean, Jesus, he doesn't ask this of everybody, right? He, he encounters a lot of people in the Gospels, and this isn't always what he says, is it? No. And, and we know theologically that there's nothing wrong with owning nice things. And so maybe we don't have to give it all away, but I mean, the thing that I think I'm struck with most walking away from studying this this week and spending a lot of time thinking and praying, what does this mean? What does it mean for me? Um, at the very least, it's just really hard for me to imagine Jesus looking into my life, my lifestyle, my bank account, all of it, um, and not, not like saying that I can at least live with less and give away more. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to imagine like Jesus looking into any of our lives and not thinking, you know what, you could probably live with a little less. You could probably give away a little bit more. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine, right? So anybody who wants to take Jesus seriously, not walking away from a passage like this, being radically altered in their view of money and stuff. Like, we, we can't have the same view as everybody else. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work. Jesus changes everything. And I don't, I don't know the specifics of what you ought to do in response to what Jesus says here. But I do know it can't be Nothing. 
Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what he wants from us individually and each, each of us, but it, it cannot be nothing. And so maybe for some of us, it's just simply like start by taking an inventory of your stuff. Like, like actually going through it. Your income, your wealth, and just asking, like, does this, does this stuff, does it bring me closer to God or does it push me farther away? Because nothing's neutral. Nothing. And if it's, if it's pushing you away, then maybe it's time to abandon it. And another way to ask that question is, does this stuff root me deeper into this broken world? Make me more comfortable, more homey here in the midst of this? Or does it, does it push me to long for something more? To long for the next one? Another, another question, is my wealth, is it, is it, if I'm honest, is it really about me and mine? Or, or is it about the good of others? Am I using my resources to help others flourish? Or if I'm honest, is it really mostly just about my own status, my own comfort, my own safety, my own self-indulgence? Oh, come on. Just get it over with. Tell me how much I got to give already. All right? It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Oh, man. I mean, that's what I long for. Like, I just want to know. And, and honestly, that's exactly what this guy is doing to Jesus. He's like, just tell me the minimum. Tell me what I have to do, the very, like the lowest bar, and then maybe I'll be able to cross it. The reality is, Jesus, he doesn't want my minimum. What do you think he's going to be content with? He wants everything, all that I am and everything that I have, all of our resources, whether we save them or spend them or invest them or give them, he wants all of it. The only safe response to the question, yeah, but how much? The only safe way to answer that is more than we can spare until it hurts. Do you, do, you, do you feel it deeply? Like if, if you're not giving in a way that is a sacrifice. Like if you're, if you're a Christian, I mean, if you're not a Christian, I mean, generosity is better for all of us, right? There's studies that show that gener- a generous life is a better life. But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, I mean, there, there's no way out of this. And if, if you're not sacrificing, if, you're, if your lifestyle looks the same as everybody else who makes the same amount of you but isn't a Christian, like you do the same things, you drive the same cars, have the same kinds of houses, right? if, if that describes you, I mean, we get, we get hung up with 10%, right? Many of us could structure our lives to be able to give away a whole lot more than that. And frankly, some of us just need to find a place to get started. If you're not a sacrificially generous person, don't miss what Jesus says. If that doesn't just describe you, it would be easier to take a camel and shove it through the eye of a needle than for you or your family to go to heaven. I had better get smaller. Second, to learn this kind of painful trust, we also have to look forward. It's so important in this story. Because Jesus, he's not endorsing poverty for poverty's sake or, or sacrifice based on its own merits, right? That's not, that's not what he's doing. He's, he's saying that we invest now in God's kingdom for rewards later. That everything we give up, every sacrifice we make, every single thing you miss out on or give away, you'll get it back and even more. I mean, that's what Jesus says. Look at verse 27. Right? As Peter, you know, in reply, right, he says, uh, see, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And you'd almost say, like, Jesus rebuke him at this point, like, Peter, what's your problem, right? Um, but look at what Jesus says. 
Truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Do you really think you're going to miss out on something? Of course you do. I do. Like, for me, when it comes to generosity, I'm always doing the math. It's like, well, I want to do this, and I can't do this if I, if I give this, right? And I want to do more of that, and so I can't. You know, it's like this constant battle in my mind. I'm always doing the math. I'm always figuring out what I'm going to lose by being generous. And then here, here's Jesus, right? I mean, he basically is like, just like, so what? I mean, like, you don't think I can make it up to you? I mean, he's like, you've got like maybe five minutes on this, this broken world. With me, you have forever. You don't think it's going to be okay? You, you don't think that I can make up anything you've lost or pushed aside? Anything that this world has taken from you or that you've given away? Trust me. Look forward. How do we do that? Again, I don't, I don't know what this looks like for you. I know, I know for me there's a handful of things. For me to look forward, I have to, and this sounds morbid and creepy, I don't mean it to be, but I have to remind myself regularly that I'm going to die. Sooner than later, honestly. I mean, time flies, we know it, right? It goes like this, then what? And I have to, I have to keep my own mortality in my mind as best as I can, but that's, that, there's no stopping that. I also, for me, I, also, I have to remind myself over and over again that those, those things that I run after, right, with my resources, they're not, they're not going to do it. Like, at, by this point in my life, I've, I've gotten enough raises, I've bought enough things, I've gone on enough vacations to know that the next one is not going to be the silver bowl that makes me happy finally, right? Like, I mean, you realize that, right? Have, you've been through enough of those things where it's like, yeah, but this next one, right? And I, I still do it. I still, everything is like, something ahead is going to finally fix it. And we... Just stop for a moment and say, you know what? The track record shows it's probably not coming anytime soon. Because those things were never meant to satisfy our souls. Which, which means we, gratitude is also helpful, but we also have to like, remind ourselves, I have to remind myself that all these good things that I cling on to, every one of them, is not an, it's not an end to itself. They're all meant to remind me of the greater thing. Like that's, that's why God gives us such good gifts not for their own sake, but to, to show us that this is who our God is, to, to point us to something bigger and greater and more satisfying, something that will actually fulfill the desperation of our hearts. I also have to look for ways to pull up roots constantly because they grow up out of my feet, tethered deep into this broken world over and over again. Pull up those roots. I mean, I don't know, like I probably should unsubscribe from a few travel websites, Right? or stores, or, or shop less, or, or just even compare myself and my life less with others. Better to look forward than to look around. All right, so let me get this straight, Nathan. You're saying that if I'm more generous, then I can live forever. Yeah, no, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. That, that's not it at all. Because getting, getting smaller and looking forward they only work if they're symptoms of something greater. How do we trust? We'll go back to what Jesus said to this guy. It wasn't just sell it all and give it away. He says, he says follow me. 
Come, follow me. Jesus, he didn't tell this guy to, to do all this so that he could earn his way, right? And be good enough. He kind of created this sort of new law for all that's not That's not it at all, but, but rather to free him to be able to follow Jesus. Because these things, they hinder us, they bog us down, they distract us, and sometimes as a result, they disqualify us. Follow me, he says. For it's not, it's not that far off that Jesus is going to, to die for my greed and my self-sufficiency. That he's going to die for my endless you know, rule following, trying, trying to make my, my way on my own. That he's going to die for my self-indulgence, my constant whining for more. And only, only there, only with him is there forgiveness in life. Follow me. For, for no, no amount of goodness or riches or personal sacrifice could ever be enough. Follow me. The good life isn't found in the accumulation of more. And we know that, don't we? The good life is only found in submission to him, to the one who is more, who is enough. Do you believe that? I mean, do you, do you really believe not just that there is a better life coming, but that this is a better life now? We don't have to wait for it, for eternal life. Like, that life with Jesus, even, even though it absolutely means life with less, that life with Jesus is just better. There's, there's, it's better for my family, it's better for me, for my soul, it's better for my community, the people around me. It's just life with Jesus. Do you believe that? It's better. I think this guy believed it. Sort of. But it comes out in the saddest part of the whole story. It's the worst part. He's, Matthew tells us that when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I think he went away sorrowful because he knew that he was passing up on something better. I think he, I think he went away sorrowful because he knew that Jesus was better. He, he knew that his stuff would never be able to save him or satisfy him, and yet he was a slave to it all. That he couldn't, he couldn't, he had too much to be able to walk away from. And so instead, he walked away from life. God, help us not make the same mistake. Let's pray. God, help us not make the same mistake. God, I pray that we would believe that you are better. Better now and better forever. God, that we, we don't have to, to keep up with our neighbors, or our coworkers, or our classmates. That we, we don't have to find our satisfaction in more stuff or better vacations. God, that I don't, I don't have to find my safety in my, my bank account or my ability to solve so many of my own problems. God, forgive us for the ways in which we think we're God because we're so rich. Forgive me. God, I pray that you would remind us again of the incredible generosity we have through Jesus, that you, Jesus, that you gave up all the glories and powers of heaven and that you came down as a humble servant, that you even poured out your own life on our behalf. God, I pray that we would see that and know deep, God, help me to know deep in my bones 
that you are better and that yours is the life I want.